That is beautiful. That's beautiful. I think we need to get clear. When I hear that God knows, what does that mean? What does it mean God knows? Because as a kid, it meant some old man knew. Old, old man with a beard. Looked a little like Marty <laughs> up there. Uh, <laughs> he had white hair. He had white beard. He liked me, but I was still a person. The problem with people is they are whimsical. <laughs> they can change their mind. Which is good for people, not so good for God. <laughs> I don't care for a God of whimsy. I don't care for a God of uh, likes me today, doesn't like me tomorrow. I don't care for a God that could like anybody. Or could dislike anybody. Or has an opinion about anybody. That's why I was so grateful when I came to Unity and I found out God was not a personality. God is principle. God is law. God is love. God is omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotent, om, excuse me, omnipotence. God is, and that's how I am. Because God is, I am. And so to get clear on that, that I'm not praying to God. Because it gets confusing. You come in, well, I don't know who I'm praying to now. And I don't know what I'm praying for anymore. And we're not praying to anyone officially. In our minds, many of us still are. We're still begging somebody. Well, you know, well, okay, fine. God's not this big man in the sky. He's not this little man that lives inside of me. <laughs> Teeny tiny old man that lives inside of me. That is listening to me and is going to give me what I want or not give me what I want. But no. So if we get on board that we're no longer asking God for what we want, but in reality, we're asking ourselves for what we want. We are going within and saying, when I, when I ask for something in prayer, I'm actually asking myself to expand my willingness to include it in my life experience. So, so start to think on those terms. I'm actually, you're ask, actually asking yourself to be willing to experience what you want. It may be lonely for a while if you haven't been praying that way. But prayer is for the conscious communion with God, meaning omni omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience. You know, it's, it's actually conscious communion with love. It's conscious communion. It's not asking love to give it to us. I'm, I'm taking time to pray to become willing to experience love in its bigger form, if not biggest form. I'm, at, I'm taking time to experience intelligence, knowledge, presence, and it's all inclusivity. I'm taking time to come to terms that principle does not change. It cannot be altered. It can just be experienced in all its different ways according to my thinking. Principle itself is not limited. My thinking often is. And so to, be, to get on board with that, and that there is a divine law, and it is the law of cause and effect. What that means is thoughts held in mind produce after their kind, not as a result of punishment, 
but as a result. Thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. If you want to know what you're thinking, look at your life. As you see, it's not the event that you're producing, it's the experience of it that you are producing. Because otherwise it would say that we're controlling each other and we're killing each other and we're keeping each other alive and we're doing all that. No, we each have our individual journey as a collective whole, but within that, I have my experience of each thing according to what I am telling myself. And so thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. What I'm saying is, oh, this thing is terrible. I begin to experience it as terrible. I experience it in my body as terrible. I experience it in my, my relationships as terrible, as my money. I start to ex experience everything. No, it's not, oh, this is all wonderful. This is all good. It's not that. But what if I could just say, I don't know what this is. I know how it feels, but I don't know what the underlying story within it is. I don't know why this is happening. And that's why that song, I don't need to know, God knows. And my talk today is called, What's That to You? What's that to you? Because some things are just none of our business. Other things we're just not going to understand. We don't have, there are no words in truth. Let's understand that, capital T truth. There are no words to describe things. You cannot, you cannot accurately describe love. You'd never find quite the right word to describe it. You can't describe God. You're making it up according to how you want to feel about it in any given moment. We can't even describe each other. And we can never know truly another person's motives. It's, David and I had to learn that years ago in our relationship. You know, we said, well, you did this because you were done. And it's like, no, that does not work for us because it's not true. It just isn't true, I, you know? For me to say, you know, he, left, he left this over here because he doesn't love me or because he thinks it's this. That was surefire destruction for our relationship. That was taking us down the tube so fast. I don't know why he does things. He doesn't know why I do things. I know I like some of the things he does. Others not so much. And vice versa. But if we want to be together, sometimes we have to realize, oh, I don't know why. You know, I can look at my mother and say, I don't know why she did half the things she did. And I'm okay to not know. I am so safe to not know why my mother made the choices she made. In fact, when my safety starts to go out the door is when I start telling myself, well, she did it because of this, and she did it because of this, and she did. I don't know. I don't know why, and I can't prove it. I remember I was 28 years old, and I confronted my father finally. I hadn't seen him since I was four. And I finally reached him on the phone, and he had done some things. And my biggest question was, why was your life more important than me? That was the main question I had from him. Something small. Something, I started to start, start out with a, something simple. <laughs> why was your life more important than me? Because I was starting to get mentally healthy and emotionally healthy. Well, he told me lots of things, and a lot, most of it was blaming my mother. 
And I thought, you know, so I, told, I went to my mother and I said, he said this, this, and this. And she denied. And here's what I knew on that day. They were both liars. <laughs> I will never know the truth. And if I am to experience sanity, I have to accept that. I'm never going to know what was actually happening then. Does myself have to be diminished because of my parents' choices? Am I going to say I'm not good enough because neither of them could get out of themselves long enough to see me? So what it told me is I had to start seeing me. And what was the best way to see me? To go within and ask. Ask the voice for God. Tell me about myself. Tell me about the good that I am. Tell me, and I began to work with that. And I got a lot of insight where I wasn't bad. I wasn't unlovable. I wasn't any of those things I had been thinking. And so therefore I didn't have to continue hurting myself because they had hurt me or because I somehow thought I deserved it. And I, and I began to get healthier and healthier emotionally. I was, I was never much one for physical illness. It was more emotional. And, and, then, and then I came to unity and the minister was talking about Leviticus and all those abominations to God and man. And it was confirmed that day. I wasn't one of them. I am not an abomination. I'll have you know. <laughs> and now, by that time, I truly suspected it was true, but it was nice to have it confirmed from the pulpit. I am good, and I can't not be good. Capital G has no opposite. It's part of principle. I'm a God being, therefore I cannot not be good. Now, if it applies to me, it applies to everybody which may be upsetting for some of you. As I have been known to say, isn't it upsetting when you find out the people you don't like have friends? <laughs> How can that be? But to begin to look at it, oh, has nothing to, love has nothing to do with friendship. Friendship is mostly based on personality or just there's an innate connection. I have been innately connected to people I don't like. I know we're connected, I just can't find the way through my personality judgments yet to hang out. And so, but let's come back to I am good and cannot not be good. In my ego, I would say, well, how is that so? And the voice for God says, what's that to you? It's none of your business how you're good, you just are, accept it. You don't need to know in your intellect your intellect so often just gets in the way. You know, we can memorize the Bible. We can memorize every Fillmore book. We can memorize the big book of AA. We can memorize this and that and the Course of Miracles. We can read them and memorize them to the point where we can talk about them as if we have a clue what they're saying. <laughs> we can sound so good about the books we have read and not have any idea how to put them into our cells, how to practice them. The greatest thing you can do in passing along the information is to say, I was thinking this, I got this new information, 
I did this, and this is the result. Saw this, saw this, did this, and here I am. This is what I saw. When I tried to practice, or when I did practice, what some of my teachers told me, my life got better. That, to me, is a practitioner. That, to me, is taking it out of the intellect. When I put it back into the intellect is when I say, now, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Of Course in Miracles, I think it's chapter three that says, do not embark on another useless journey. And the first time I read that, and I thought, what does that mean? And then I got it. Here's the useless journey. It's the question, why? Why did this happen? No, it doesn't matter why. It does not matter why. Last week I read, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. And so, why is useless? It won't help you. But to accept it, I'd say, oh, there is good in the world, and I just experienced it. There is good in spirit, and I just experienced it. Why? Because I'm good. If you need a why, because I'm good and cannot not be good. But if you're trying to box it in, if you're trying to package, oh, this, this, and this. You know, I'd like to, years ago, I had an instantaneous healing of a sprained ankle. And if I could figure out why that happened that day, I know I was praying, I affirmed to Christ in me as awake now. A ripple went from here down my body and my ankle went eh. And I was back on rollerblades two days later. Oh, how fantastic. And I've never figured out why. Because if I had, I would have instantaneously healed from this last fall. I'm better than I've been yet. But... I am not totally healed, as I found out when I pressed this knuckle against the door jam today. It's, it's like, oh, now you can't tell my hand hurts, but I can. I, saw, I fell down in the basement recently and smashed my hand in my leg. Anyway, we, uh, I, don't, I don't know why even the fall happened that day. I don't know why. Life pushed me. <laughs> That's what I can tell you. Life pushed me on a plastic lid and put a motor on it <laughs> for me to do a big dance in my basement. I don't know why, and I don't know why each, each aspect of healing has taken place. You know, a friend of ours left the planet last week by choice, and we don't know why. We, don't, we, we know the circumstances. We can make up a lot of why, but we don't know the ultimate playing out of it all. And so to delve more deeply into our practice, to see God in our consciousness, G-O-D, good orderly direction in our consciousness, to see a practice of, I don't need to know that. That is just gonna fill up space in my head, in my cells that I don't need to know. A lot of us are trying to make the world, our world safe. And I know why. It's because we think we're in danger. Why would you be trying to make your world safe unless you think you are in danger? And most of us think we're in danger of something. For me right now, it's things on the floor that I can trip over. <laughs> uh, they are a particular hazard. 
But we could also think that we are in danger because of the way our parents left the planet. When my mother made her transition, we did not do an autopsy. I said to my brother and my grandfather, let's not do that. Let's let that be her journey so we don't sit around for 30 years wondering if that's going to be ours. Let her have her own journey on this planet, in her body, with her mind, and not assume that it's going to be ours. Now, I had only been in unity for a few days when my mother made her transition. I hadn't yet heard the part of, I'm a child of God, therefore I do not inherit sickness. But I had begun reading Myrtle Fillmore's book, Unity's co-founder, about how to let God help you, and that was her <coughs> founding statement of her healing from a diagnosis of tuberculosis. I am a child of God, therefore I do not inherit sickness. Myrtle Fillmore began to pray every day. She didn't begin to ask why every day. She asked how. Let your question become how. How could I think differently about this? How could I see differently? How could I practice in a higher vibration? How? Not why did I get this? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family member? Why did this happen to my friend? Why did it happen to these people? Why this one and why not that one? Because we're not gonna get a satisfying answer. What we're gonna get is frustration and, a, and, a, and a, the real makings of doubt rather than faith in our good, assurance, of the things hoped for, we're going to develop doubt about every corner we turn around, that we're about to go around. We're going to develop doubt that our good is present now, and I am living in that good. Life on life's terms happens. And I was told life on life's terms would happen. I was also told that if I practiced these principles, I wouldn't have to hurt myself ever again. I wouldn't have to hurt myself ever again. That was a great promise. I can't tell you I haven't hurt myself over the years. And I do seek to practice the principles, but I observe it. I observe it when I walk. I try to step out of principle as if I'm somehow above it, or my whimsy just wants to play at things that are not in my highest. I can, I can play while being in my highest. Marilyn here heard church words uh, she'll never hear on this pulpit, but she got to hear them Thursday night at the retreat. <laughs> you know, there are words to play with that someone says, how could a minister say those things? How could church people say those things? And I'll tell you how. Well, I won't show you how. <laughs> but we were playing. And we proved those words have no power. They were never said to hurt anyone. They were playing in order to make us laugh. Just to make us laugh. Not to destroy the world. Not to what's it? diminish, that's the word I'm looking for. Not to diminish anything or anyone, but to laugh. And so to realize after all this time, oh, my uh, superstitions are no longer valid. And so I think I will make them not my superstitions anymore. I think I will release ownership of superstitions. I think I will 
release ownership of my criticisms. I think I will release ownership so that they are no longer mine. They are things that I have experienced when I've had misguided judgment. They're states of mind that just don't serve me if I want to live in my God self. That the hatred of my body doesn't pay off the way I was hoping for it to. I remember some, some, somebody, he, he was way overweight, and he, put, he just put on Facebook one day, I hate you, you awful self, you know, all this stuff. It was just nasty. And, I, and that was his way of trying to find a way to diet. But it was cruel. And I don't want to hate myself because I don't have a big bushy head of hair. And somebody says, oh, I like bald people. So what? I want a big bushy head of hair, but I don't have one. I have a flimsy <laughs> amount of hair. I was very fly away today. And it's, uh, <laughs> I flew away. And, uh, <laughs> and yes, I would like to weigh a lot less than I do. That's a preference. But I am not not good because of it. And I can't tell myself that I am somehow not good because I'm not an object of lust by the entire world. <laughs> and that, that's the crazy part. I want to be an object of lust. Watch, that's the part that'll make it on, on, on Facebook. I, don't think. I want to be an object of lust uh, to the entire world. <laughs> because that wouldn't be a burden, would it? <laughs> I want to be a light in the world. I want to be a light no matter what I look like. I want to be a light no matter what I feel like. I want to be a light, and let me tell you why, if you're curious. Never mind, what's that to you? I'm not going to tell you why. I just want to be a light. I've discovered that being a light is easier. Just being a light, because I'm not accountable the way I used to be. It's when we lie and cheat and steal and uh, scheme and try to figure it all out that we are burdened and weighted down. And so, lift up. Vibrate your God self. I'm going to read something here. This comes from the book of John and the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament, chapter 21. And Spirit says, when you are ready to listen to me, capital M, me, and trust me fully in all matters and all things, the time will come that you will experience that which you did not expect. This will be a time of celebration for your eyes will be opened and you will be fully immersed within the Spirit. The light shall be one with you, and you shall be one with the light. And you will not ask, how is it that this happened? For you will know it is your truth. And you are now seeing it because it is so. When you have given yourself fully to the Spirit, the Spirit shall be fully within you. This is not a change at all. For this is as it has always been, but in your sleep you do not know. 
So the realization of your truth is but an awakening from a sleep in which you thought one thing was true when it was not. In your awakening, you will not be tested. For all that I give, I give freely for you to accept. But you may seem to be tested before you have awakened fully. No, these tests do not come from me. It is the ego tempting you to hold on to the world. Let these temptations go and follow me. I will give you something to do that is a mission of heaven and great joy within the world. This will be your path to awakening, each path unique and yet each path the same. Because each path serves the purpose of leaving the world of illusion for the truth of which we are. The light is in all beings and all beings are the light. Everyone shall be known by their light because the light is their truth. And all beings know their truth and will follow it. Amen. Amen. Amen.